Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. I've got with me the amazing James Porritt with us today. Have I pronounced your surname correctly? Correctly. Great to be with you here, Sid. James is brilliant. I came across James through Cool, who you guys know because we had an episode last week with Cool Mahay. We get on so well. And I think like like when you're around people that have the same values, it's very easy to connect with those people. So James is another connection that I've made um, from Calls Connections. And I think there's a few other people that I'll be interviewing over the next few months that you'll also realize are connected with each other. And it's really interesting how that kind of network grows and how you get to know people. But James has a really interesting take on people. He understands adults the way that I understand kids. That's the way that I can simply put it. Like I can pretty much understand and decipher a kid. You give me a kid and I can make them um, listen and do work and excited about work over a period of time and I think James has that really interesting insight about adults he could quickly and I've not got to that stage I don't I don't know how to work out how adults work it's just too much for my head but we're going to be looking at deconstructing reality with a specific focus on humans work and how how the world around us works so James do you want to give us a bit of an intro first about who you are and what you do and yeah a bit about what we're going to be talking about today yes great first of all uh, great to be here thanks for the invitation and uh, it's interesting looking at the journey that I had like when I was growing up academically didn't really do that well um, had lots of different jobs um, relationships that didn't work out and I just learned through heartbreak, failures and empty pockets. But what's interesting is we can look at the past and we can look at how we didn't succeed and how things didn't work out. But human beings in general, if things don't work out the way we want, we put a lot of pressure and stress on ourselves, don't we? And especially from a young age, we're we're conditioned to do things perfectly, to do things right. But one of the things that I learned is through all the experience that I had, if we're able to take our emotions out of it, and just look at an experience as an experience, look a result as a result, where there's no good, no bad, no right, no wrong, no positive, no uh, negative. It's simply an outcome, and we can learn from the outcome, right? But the problem is, it's very difficult to do that, because of each of those outcomes, there's emotion in there. There's loads of judgments and things that are going on in our head that actually don't allow us to take a step back and, and look at things like that. Well, exactly. You mentioned it. The operative word is emotions. And if you look at the discussion you had with Cool on the last video, I didn't listen to it, but I'm sure he would have covered a lot of stuff when he's talking about leadership. And it's the same thing. It's been able to remove ourselves out the equation and take the emotions out of it where we can just look at it as an observer. And that is very, very difficult because when we get to a space where we can realize, well, failure is simply first attempt in learning, we're constantly evolving, we're constantly growing. And I love what uh, Winston Churchill said. He said, success is simply stumbling from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. I like that. 
like and that. that's how it is because we're constantly growing because we're either living or we're dying we're either winning or we're learning you don't class um the opposite of winning as losing that's a very powerful point and this comes up again I don't classify the opposite of winning as losing and I don't classify the opposite of success as failure because if you've never lost, you can't win. If you've never failed, you can't succeed. Our kind of understanding of success and winning is always relative to the other. Like you can't really have gratitude if you've never really uh, had the opposite, if you've never felt like, I don't know, if you've always take, if you've always valued everything, you don't understand what gratitude is. Is when you start to actually recognise that you've taken stuff for granted, and then you lose something, and then you realise what gratitude really is, and then you value it. So it's always relative to the other. And I think you're right; you can't understand one without having the other. But we, you haven't actually explained who you are yet. Give us a bit of insight of who you are and what you do. Okay, so my background, um, like I said, learned through heartbreak, failures and empty pockets, just had many different experiences. And I've just learned a lot in the last two decades about myself, other people. In the last 15 years, I must have gone through at least 5,000 people where I've tried to work with them. And for one reason or another, things uh, didn't work out, um, or they did. But I learned a lot about myself and other people, which put me on the path of self-discovery, um, was a personal trainer, uh, looked at nutrition, diet, exercise, um, meditation, Tai Chi, got into sales, marketing, radio presenting, public speaking, coaching, consulting. But ultimately, it's always been about working with people. And I've been consistently headhunted because of my ability to connect with people. And some people think it's a gift. Um, I tend to think it's a skill, but I think it maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know, but... It's, it's like what you were saying, our experiences do shape us. There's some things that we're going to be good at and some things we're not going to be good at. Like there's some things I'm absolutely brilliant at and I focus that. There's some things I'm terrible at and I'm at peace with that. I'm okay with that. I'm not perfect at everything. But it's important to understand what our strengths and weaknesses are. And it's only by doing a lot of different things that I failed at and that I didn't like that I finally figured out what I'm actually good at and what I enjoy doing. And that's key. And it comes back to knowing self. And if we don't know ourselves, then it's very difficult to know other people. And if we don't trust ourselves, how can we trust other people? I think that's very powerful. And it comes back to if you can't love yourself, then how can you love someone else? And I think most people go into a relationship thinking uh, that they're going to find happiness, they're going to find love, but they haven't found that on their own. So you can't possibly put that responsibility onto someone else because that's not how it works. Every time I speak to you, I learn something new because your concept of how we view reality is very different from how I think other people view reality. So what are some of the things that you've kind of learned from your experiences with working with so many different people um, in the way that they function and the way that they're basically doing it not the right way to give them the maximum kind of potential output that they could have? Um, in their businesses, in their work life. Can you highlight some of those key points for us? Yeah, well, what I've learned is fundamentally everyone's the same. <laughs> everyone eats, everyone breathes, everyone goes toilet, everyone drinks, everyone's got fears and desires. It doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire, you're super successful, or you're broke. Everyone sees themselves in a certain way. And I've realised it's not really how the world sees us, it's how, us, how we see ourselves. And this is what fascinates me, because along the journey, I was developing my skill sets. And in the beginning... I didn't really fit in anywhere. I was a bit of a black sheep. Um, didn't really understand what my niche was. And I found it very difficult to fit in. But I realized 
and someone said to me many years, they said, James, you didn't come here to fit into this world. You came here to help create a new one. And you look at what's happened now with the current climate, 2020, 2021, we're in lockdown number three. God knows how long we're going to be there for. But in our living history, this is the most amount of uncertainty that we've ever faced. And it's it's creating a lot of changes, a lot of uncertainty, and that scares people. But I look at my journey, everything that I've been through, it's like I've been prepared, primed and groomed to not only thrive in these conditions, but to enable people with the skills, uh, with the tools and the resources they need to move forwards. But when I was going through it, it wasn't fun. Thank God uh, I'm in good health, but I've had 16 grand mal epileptic seizures. I'm not epileptic, never been diagnosed. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. If I'd listened to neurologists, consultants and doctors, I'd be drugged up some myobals embedded in a zombie right now. And they just didn't know. And looking back, I had severe levels of um, stress, um, symptoms of ADHD, bipolar, chemical imbalances that went undiagnosed. Uh, and basically, it was just an imbalance in, within me. But there was a lot of different things that was going on. So I had to kind of become a research scientist for myself. And along the way, I suppose the greatest things that were on my side was that I was not willing to quit. So I just consistently move forward and I was hungry to succeed and I was open and willing to learn. And I think that is a, one of the most important things. We have to be open to learn and receive new information. If we think we know it all, it's game over because we're either green and growing or ripe and rotten. And the moment we think we know it all, it falls apart. So I think my journey has just been a journey of self-discovery where I've been open to learn. And because I've been open to learn, what I was able to do, I was able to replace fear and failure with curiosity. So I'm just curious to learn, why does this person see things this way? Why does another person see it another way? And because of that, I'm constantly looking to learn from others and I'm taking myself outside the equation. And because of that, I've just been able to see things from different perspectives and I've suffered depression, anxiety, I've been up, down, all over the place. And I'm grateful because that's where my greatest lessons and learnings have come from. And this stuff, you, you can't learn from a textbook. You can't go to university. You can't do a course in business and learn this or entrepreneurship or leadership. Having the, uh, the theory is very important. Learning the philosophies behind it is very, very important. But the practical side, that comes with experience. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark because... I'll go to a seminar and I'll acquire new information from someone and I'm like, okay, that's why I messed up in the past. That's why this person messed up. That's why this happened. And I'm able to anchor that information into experience. Whereas if we're just taking this information on, but we don't have the experience, it can be very dangerous when we're trying to coach people or lead people or get in business with people or be in a relationship. And my partner said to me recently as well, she was like, no one's ever got me before. And she's like, it's really weird because you knew what I was feeling and what I was thinking before I did. And I kind of spooked her out. And I think that's what, that's what's really freaky about you. You understand people really well. And only from like uh, the first conversation you had me worked out. <laughs> um, and it's interesting how you're able to do that. And it, it, it's just from experience. So I work with a lot of kids and I've worked with a lot of kids. I think I've probably worked with as many kids as you've worked with um, adults. Um, okay. And we've only got to where we are and uh, being able to do what we do from that experience of getting it wrong, 
learning from the mistakes and and then actually seeing the patterns in people and being able to apply that to a different context so i can take a kid and have an hour with them and have a very good idea of how they work just by spending an hour and asking a few questions and trying to figure out how they work i can't do that with adults i think you can because <laughs> that's what you did with me you like asked a couple of questions and you had me all sussed out in an hour uh, probably even less than that. And I think it's really fascinating how you've done that. And I love that quote that you just said. You wanted to fit in, but you were never designed to fit in. You were designed to create a new world. Yeah, well, this is it. Because we look at the world around us. And the thing is, it's very simple construct. If we're operating on what we've known, then we can only do what we've always done. But if we want to create something new... To create something new, that's got to come from the unknown. And that's very scary because otherwise all that's going to happen is we're going to keep recreating the past. And a lot of people do that because what they're doing is they're sitting in the past. The experience they've had, good or bad, is irrelevant, but they're holding on to the past. And this could be someone who's broke, who has no money. It could be someone that's successful, that's got a lot of money. It doesn't make a difference. Ultimately, people, when we hold on to the past... All we're going to do is we're going to recreate the same patterns again. And it's really about the questions that we ask ourselves, because if we've had problems in the past and someone like a coaching call with one of my business partners earlier on today, and then we're like, why does this keep landing on my door? And I'm like, well, do you want it there? And she was like, no. I said, well, why are you asking that question then? Because the quality of our life is determined by the quality of questions that we ask. And typically if something goes wrong, what are the first questions we ask ourselves? Why is this happened to me? Why am I so stupid? Why am I so unlucky? Why, 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 why? And what happens is your mind will go through the database of your entire life and find examples of when this happened to you, why this happens to you, and why you're not good enough. So it's a wrong question to ask because it's not serving you. It's just setting up you up for failure. Instead, if you ask better colleague questions, you can ask, okay, what lessons can I learn from this experience? How can I use these lessons to help me progress to the next level in my life? And how can I share these lessons with other people so that they can progress too? But those questions are more progressive. So it's a combination of experience and theory. And the thing is, there's a lot of people there who say education isn't good, university isn't good, get a job isn't good. That's equally very dangerous as well because we need jobs. You need to make money and a lot of the most successful people started a job, they learned their craft, they learned their skills. And then once they became a level that they had achieved mastery, they were able to transition outside. But you get a lot of people that are trying to set up businesses, become entrepreneurs, and they haven't refined their craft yet. And that is very, very dangerous. So it's important to have a combination of theory and experience. I just applied, applied, applied. Like I was speaking to someone else today about what I do. And I'm like, well, if you look at basic sales or communication or connect with people, if you're not getting the results that you want, then what you're doing isn't working, right? And if what you're doing isn't working, I can give you something else to try. You can try something different, right? Now, if you're not getting the results that you want, then the words that you're using aren't serving you. If the words that you're using aren't serving you, you can use different words, right? Mm. If you don't know what words to use, I can give you different words to try. But you can have the right words, you can have the right tools, you can have the right strategies, and you can use that with people. But if you're in your head and you're constantly thinking about what to say next, um, it almost 
comes across as robotic like you're basically it's inauthentic because you're not being yourself and you're coming across scripted you're coming across like a robot and they pick up on that energy and in the beginning it was very difficult for me because i upset a lot of people i was constantly in the field but i learned in the field in the trenches by doing it and it's not fun and that's why you go through so many people because you mess up a lot but through the process i realized even my mentor that was coaching me he was coaching me um online he was in australia i was in uk at the time and because he wasn't there with me physically he couldn't see what i was doing and it didn't make sense and then when we met in person he saw what i was doing he was like dude you haven't listened to anything i said i was like no i have and he said no you haven't because in my mind i thought i was listening but i wasn't i was just recreating the same habits again and again the same patterns but i thought i was listening to what he was telling me i wasn't and that's why i say to my business partners as well like I'm not with you when you're talking to people or when you're operating. So unless you record the calls or the conversation, or unless I'm there, I can't give you feedback. And I'm not a mind reader. I wish I was. I can't tell you what you're doing wrong unless I'm there physically or unless you've recorded the conversation on the call and I can listen to it and I can help you progress because we cannot improve upon something that we don't track or monitor. And that's where a lot of people go wrong because they go on all these coaching programs. They spend tens of thousands of pounds on on coaching. And it, it may be good information. I'm not saying it's, it's not good information. Depending on where you get it from, uh, there can be variances. But even if the information is good, if you don't know how to apply that information and implement it, and if you don't have someone with you that can give you instant feedback, it's useless. It's redundant. It's futile. It's like having a Ferrari outside with no wheels, no petrol, no engine. It's not going to take you where you want it to go. It's not going to take you anywhere. And you're going to look at it and get frustrated. And that's where a lot of people are in life. They're stuck because they've got the right tools, but they don't know how to implement. They don't have the hangups or they don't have the fear to implement, but they don't have the right tools or resources or someone like me to help them implement. And so they're never going to make it. And that's really interesting because I, I went to a lot of business courses, like business development, business scaling, uh, marketing, sales. I've done it all. And I've done it over a period of uh, 10 plus years. And, and I paid a lot of money on some of them. And I would come out and I'd be all kind of pumped up and then... I wouldn't actually apply it because I wouldn't know how to apply it in my business. So I wouldn't know how to implement it. Um, and it's only fairly recently, about a year or so ago, when I took a step back and I kind of went, right, okay, no more courses for now because I need to reflect back. I think that's the other thing. We don't give ourselves time to reflect. So I took yeah. a step back to reflect on everything that I learned and then, and then tried to figure out where I could apply it. And then the jigsaw started to fall into places. I was like, oh, I understand how this works. Oh, I understand what this person was trying to say now. And that's come because I've had experiences that I can go, I can see now what this person was saying in relation to this particular experience. And this is what I should have done instead of doing that. And I think it's that combination because you can go through, through a lot of stuff at the beginning and when you're setting up a business or you're trying to do something at the beginning of a project and it's all good information, but until you go through the experiences, you cannot put it into full application mode. You can't actually apply the knowledge in the same way. And I think that's really powerful what you were saying. It's like having a Ferrari outside, but not having the ability to actually make any use of it. There was something else that you said earlier. You went through a lot of different uh, points there. <laughs> I'm trying to kind of backtrack a bit. So just before you were talking about being authentic, being yourself, 
and how what do you think because if you are oh yeah that was it the questioning so how you speak to yourself and i think that's really powerful so oh. when you when you were saying the questions that you should be asking yourself and the types of questions that you should be avoiding asking yourself um is there something that people can do to train themselves because it's very natural we when we fail at something it's very natural to go oh that's because i didn't do this or someone did this and and you kind of find something to blame and it's usually you end up blaming yourself or other people around you if you believe yeah. that you're right you believe everyone or you blame everyone else around you if you believe that's that you're always wrong you blame yourself how can we stop that cycle of blame and actually break away from it because part of the issue is breaking away once you're away from it it's fine to sustain that kind of positive energy but how do you initially break away from that? Yeah, that's very powerful. I just want to touch on that as well, because that's where all the problems stem from. Because the reality is, until we reach a point where we can truly love ourselves, accept ourselves, respect ourselves and trust ourselves, we're never going to make it because we're constantly attacking ourselves or other people. But when we get to a point where we can truly love ourselves, respect ourselves, accept ourselves and trust ourselves, there's no more judgment of self. There's no more judgment of others. We no longer project our needs, our desires, our agendas onto others. And we no longer allow others to project their needs, their desires, their agendas onto us. There's no more attachment. There's no more detachment. We're just there holding space. And how do we get to that? And it's a unique journey to each different person. And this is what I found through business and what I've done in the industry I've in, been in for many years. Different people have got different experiences, different trauma. And uh, just going off on a tangent, the mind, conscious mind, processes 40 bits of data per second. Now, the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind, how many bits of data do you think that processes per second? You've asked me this question multiple times, and every time I forget. I know it's a big number. Um, I think it was something million, right? Three million. Yeah, so the conscious mind processes 40 bits of data per second. The subconscious mind processes 40 million bits of data per second. So what that means in real-life terms, in actuality, is that if an individual, they could be 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, doesn't matter what the age is. If they have not dealt with their past trauma, if they haven't dealt with their failures, their mishaps, the hiccups, basically what's happening is they're reliving trauma from the past because they haven't dealt with it. And what that means is, if that's the case, then when I'm speaking to someone, I'm actually speaking to a non-thinking entity. I'm speaking to someone that is a result of all their conditioning programming from childhood, from parents, family, friends, school, education, society, failures, mistakes. It's not them thinking. They're on automatic autopilot knee-jerk responses does that make sense mm. so they're not responding they're reactive and that's very very dangerous so how do you bypass that the reality is we have to learn new behavior new patterns and we have to get ready to practice but this is where the problem comes because unfortunately we live in a society today more so now than ever before where people expect tomorrow's results yesterday without following a process today. The most effective way to instill change is to implement new habits and to stay focused on that and to get in the habit of doing it again and again and again and again over a period of time because the mind cannot focus on two things at the same time. 
it can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you're focusing on what goes wrong or what went wrong, then where your focus goes, energy flows and grows, and they'll just repeat that pattern again. But if we're focused on doing new activity, then over a period of time, what will happen is the old habits will disappear and the new habits will take prevalence. So we cannot create the new world unless and until we let go of the old world. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's why when you're when you're having like a streak of good luck, let's call it good luck. When you're having a streak of good luck, you kind of feel like it's coming to you in a, in a streak because your mindset is focused on that positivity. And then when you're in a cycle of a bad state, you kind of feel like everything's going wrong um, because your focus is on everything going wrong. And I've been through periods where I will have a bad patch and it feels like I can't get out of it. But then when you have that one little bit of success and you're focused on that, then it follows on. And, and then you're, you're, you're on a, a roll, right? But it just takes that one knock to you, to your confidence, to get you back to that cycle again. You talked about something earlier about detaching yourself and yeah. become detached. Do you want to become detached though? Because I don't. I like the fact that I'm really, I get to know people. I get to, I'm very emotionally driven, right? And I come, coming back to the, the word emotion, I'm emotionally driven, right? So I'm very uh, passionate about certain things and not so passionate about other stuff. I think sometimes I let my heart override uh, my brain in the decisions that I make, um, especially when it's to do with kids, right? You want to do what's best by them. So you do what you feel is right rather than what should be done sometimes. Like, you know that they have to get through uh, sitting an exam, but you want to be able to get them to love learning first. So I'll focus on that because if I can nail that, then that will get nailed as well uh, eventually. But I drive by my heart more so. So when you talk about detachment, are you talking about a detachment from emotions or are you talking about some other type of detachment? It's a really good question, actually, because detachment is not healthy. Neither is attachment. So it's almost like a balance. Let me give you another example. If you look at a battery... A battery has both a positive and negative terminal, right? Now, if you take the negative terminal out, does it work? No. Both are required. Both have purpose. The negative terminal forces the current. The positive terminal harnesses the energy. So if you think of us as a battery, we both have negative and positive stimuli. And that's always going to be the case. So being overly negative doesn't serve us. I tried that before. Being overly positive doesn't serve us. I tried that before. So it's about balance. So it's not about being detached. It's not about being attached. It's about being able to be present and hold space with someone without getting too sucked into their world. Does that make sense? Because otherwise what happens is we end up trying to rescue people and save them and we're not actually helping them. We're actually not allowing them the space to become self-reliant or self-sufficient and we're allowing our emotions to that to um, hinder their growth. I'll give you an example. My dad, I love him to bits. My parents done the best for me with what they had and with the times that they lived in, they, they worked wonders and miracles. But growing up from a young age, my dad would give me something to do. He's obviously busy with other stuff, didn't have a lot of patience. And then I wasn't doing it. And then he'll take it off me and said, oh, I'll, I'll do it myself. So that really destroyed my sense of self self-esteem self-worth and trying to help me and then later on in life it really damaged me and i look at my dad now but 
he done the best he could with what he had, and that's what he was taught, and it was passed down from generation to generation. If we're actually demoralizing people and criticizing them, they're not going to grow. But likewise, if we're like, okay, Dora, you can't do it, we'll do it for you, we're taking away their opportunity to learn self-reliance and to become independent. So we have to allow people to make mistakes. And that's one of the big things I have when I work with people in business. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. Like one of my business partners called me up on Saturday last week, amazing lady, incredible potential. She'd been through a lot. And she said, I just want to know what I did wrong. I said, well, you haven't recorded the conversation you had with the people. So I don't know. I don't know what went wrong, what went right. I wasn't there. I'm not a mind reader. You will remember parts of it and she will be able to identify everything. And then you're, you're going to give a very objective view of it. So you, it needs to be recorded. This is it. And this is what I realised. People never give or very, very rarely give objective views. Even myself, history is not objective. History is subjective to the person that told the story. And if you look in history, history is always the winner's account. It's never the loser account. So history is his story, the story of the winner. It's not objective. But even a thin pancake has two sides. A battery has a positive and negative. And I think that's one of the biggest things I learned to be indifferent whilst regaining and remaining my humanity and the human aspect and the emotional uh, connection that I have with people. I've never lost that, but it's about having balance because if you're too emotional, you get wrapped up into the story and no one's progressing. If you're devoid of emotion, you're like robots and you're not going to progress either. It's, it's having that balance. And that's what I've learned. It's emotional maturity, emotional resilience, emotional tenacity, emotional intelligence, and it's actually self-awareness where you're able to raise your consciousness, your vibration, your frequency, and, and we evolve as human beings because they're going to give their subjective view. But I said to her, maybe you done something wrong. I don't know. But I said, maybe they weren't the right person. Maybe you could have done the perfect thing and it still wouldn't have worked out. I said, I don't know because I wasn't there. But I said, here's the thing. It's okay to make mistakes. I said, no one became successful who didn't make mistakes. Anyone who did become successful made a lot of mistakes. So I said, it's okay to make mistakes. I would rather you mess up and make mistakes than do nothing. Making mistakes shows me you're doing something. Only the person who achieves nothing in life doesn't fail. It's the same thing that I see where with kids where... And I think the education system is set up where if they do make a mistake, it's seen as such a really bad thing. Like you want to get it right. There's a right and there's a wrong answer. In maths, there's a right and there's a wrong answer. There's a tick or there's a cross. There's a grade A, there's a grade B. So there's there's always that kind of um, your condition to think in that way from a very young age, right? Um, but even with, uh, with teaching, like I've seen parents kind of assist their kids to cut things up. Because I used to have parents and kids in the same class at one point, and I used to get them to assist, and they they wouldn't let their kids learn. So they oh you can't cut, let me do it for you. And they like, no, 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 let your yeah. child do it, because yeah. they'd be like oh they're gonna struggle, they're gonna get frustrated. I'm like but they will learn. Parents were trying to help them, but in helping them, they're taking away a learning opportunity. And I think it's very similar to what you've said with the adults. Yeah, it's very 
there's a parallel in everything that you've said. I can see it, how I've applied it with kids. There's, there's a real, there's a real good parallel there, and and the whole thing with mistakes as well. So I I've got a team that's growing, and um, now it's to the point where I've got like team leads, and they're looking after their team members, and I can see someone's about to make a mistake, and one of my, the team leads is like, oh, I'm going to step in and tell them not to do it that like that. I was like, no, no, you're going to let them make the mistake because once they've made it they will realize and then they'll have to correct it. And that learning process in identifying their own mistake and correcting it is far more of a learning opportunity for them than you just telling them. Because you tell them, they'll forget again. Then you'll have to tell them again. And you'll have to tell them again. And that's not learning. And I think that's the mistake that we kind of make with kids as well, where we expect them to understand when we tell them something without telling them the consequences, without them experiencing what happens if they don't abide. Sometimes they need to explore those boundaries themselves, realize they've made a mistake, reflect on it, and then not do it again. I was just talking about this yesterday. I put a post up on my profile, and I was talking about the concept of discipline. And I, I do some crazy stuff with kids. Like we do dissections as one example, because it's quite extreme in that. We do dissections with five-year-olds. They're allowed to use knives and, and all the sharp materials that typically teens and even schools don't allow teenagers to do it anymore. They'll do it as a demo because it's seen as a health and safety issue. But if you monitor that risk and you are allowing them boundaries to be able to develop that learning opportunity and you set those boundaries very clearly so they know if they have a behavior that makes me distrust them in that I think that they will hurt themselves or someone else they're going to miss out on the opportunity they know that because I tell them at the beginning I say if if you don't listen to instructions and I can see you're not listening you're not going to be allowed to do it because you're going to end up hurting yourself or you're going to hurt someone else and that's not a risk I'm, I'm going to take, right? So they know that. And you'll have the odd child that will test that boundary and then they'll be taken out of the class and they'll have to view the class from outside, from the window, and they'll be looking in and missing out on the opportunity. And then they have a time to reflect on what they've done, the opportunity that they ruined. But they learn from that. That is a big learning opportunity for a child. And I think as adults, we think we've done all our learning we get to adulthood and we think we've done it all but that's not the case though is it no and it's interesting you're saying that because you can see now whether you work with children or adults it's the same thing it's actually easier with children because children are more likely to follow authority when we become adults we think we know it all and we're, we're more resistant but it's the same patterns again but it's giving people the freedom because what i said to her was like Create first, analyze later. Once we've created, we can look at what worked, what didn't work, and how we can improve it. But most people go into analysis paralysis where they just overanalyze and they don't take any action. That's useless. Yeah. Whereas I'm an implementer. It's not always pretty. It's not always yeah. uh, uh, smooth. It's sometimes very, very gritty, but I know how to develop results. But along the way, I refine the process and I refine, 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 refine until we find something that works. And that's all successful people do. They just keep at it until they refine and refine and refine and refine. The reason why most people aren't happy, the reason why most people aren't in love in relationships, the reason why most people don't have fulfilling jobs or successful businesses or aren't making money is because they cannot handle the boredom of sticking to a process until the end and they can't handle failure and they can't 
stick to something to get the process and they want tomorrow's results yesterday without doing the work today it's a process but i can understand where they're coming from you look at social media you look at the instant fix the microwave mentality everything's order quick 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 that's not real life that's not how people operate that's not how nature operates if you look you put a seed in the ground you have to nurture it you have to water it you plant it and then there's a harvest season and there's a season for everything. There's a season for sowing and there's a season for reaping. Problem is people, they sow the seed today and they want to reap the seed tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. And I think that when you see success, you're seeing that top of the iceberg, but it's yeah. taken years and years of building up to be able to be that successful because it looks like an instant success, but it's not. There's a lot of work that's gone on behind the scenes. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned about expecting the results straight away. I think there's a lot of people that will take so much time planning and trying to get all that plan perfect that by the time they finish the plan and they try implementing it, it's not relevant to the world that they're living in. And then it doesn't go to plan. And then they feel like they failed. You just got to try it sometimes and develop the plan as you go along and like, and, and then tweak it and make it relevant as you're going through the process. Like you've said, it's developing, developing the process and, and continually developing it. Yeah, it's very important what you said as well, because planning, and I'll be honest, uh, one of my um, areas and opportunities for growth is to become a better planner. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the best planner, I'll be honest, hands up. <laughs> That's one thing I'm not the best at. But you give me a process or tool or resource that I can use and I will keep at it again and again. What I'll do is I'll find a way or I'll create a way, but I won't create an excuse. And a lot of people, it's almost like they're looking for a reason why it won't work to validate what's happened in the past. And you've got to understand how human beings work. We don't make right or wrong decisions. We make a decision and then we strive to make it right to justify it because human beings the biggest problem with human beings is human beings cannot handle being wrong the need to be right is our biggest downfall as a species but don't you find that some people do the opposite well they'll do something and they justify why it's wrong yeah it's the same reason so you got two sides of the coin the first thing i said the need to be right holds us back as a species but if they focus on why they're wrong, that's validating that they're right about being wrong in the past. What do you think is a solution then? To be able to just take a step back and look at the decision that's been made and then to, to assess? No, it's okay being wrong. It's okay not being perfect. That's the problem. Everyone from a young age, we're instilled to us, you have to be perfect, you have to be shiny, you have to be this, you have to be that. And we end up not loving ourselves, not loving our imperfections. And the problem is we don't know who the hell we are. Mm. We're not true to ourselves. We're not authentic. We're living, trying to fit in. And this is where it becomes dangerous, whether it's from parents, from family, from friends, from religion. I'm not anti-religious. I'm not pro-religious. But ultimately, we're living in the dogma and beliefs and basically, we're living in peer pressure of dead people. When you said this, it was really interesting where you use the example of, was it cutting the head of the fish and the tail? Um, do you want to repeat that to, for everyone? Because I thought yeah. that would be powerful. There was a, a lady and she was cutting the head and the fish off the tail. And her daughter said to her, mommy, why are you cutting the head and the fish off the tail? And she said she didn't know. She said, that's what my mother did. 
So she went to the grandmother and asked the grandmother, why did you cut the head and tail off? She was like, I don't know, that's what my mum did. So she went and asked the great-grandmother still alive, and she said, well, sweetheart, in our days the pots and pans and the ovens weren't big enough, but they still do it today. Why, they don't know. You look at any tradition, any process, any uh, mode of operation, that process was relevant at a certain point in time, but that reason no longer exists, and people still follow that process, that tradition, that culture, why they don't know because everyone else did it they didn't question the status quo i was talking about this in the group the other day that market research you, you always learn so every time i went to like a, a marketing course and it was about market research market research was all about looking at your competition assessing how your competition is doing pretending oh. to be a customer and calling up and trying to assess what your competition is doing and and that never sits well with me because you're creating illusion. You're creating an illusion that you're a, um, an ideal customer, first of all, to be able to get that information. But why would you want to look at what someone else is doing when something else was created at a time in the past? And okay, it worked at that point, but you want to create something for the future. So why don't you just be a trailblazer, find out where the pain points are at the moment and create something around based on that without looking at the competition. So I'm a big believer in becoming a trailblazer in the area that you want to focus on, basing your market research on what your customers actually want and where their pain points are rather than looking at what's already out there. Because what's already out there is already failing them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have that pain point in the first place. So that's kind of the way that I take it. And I think that's one one example where I think things are now outdated because there's so much competition in the marketplace that you just need to be different. And the only way you're going to do that is by not looking at what everyone else is offering, just doing what you need to do and offering the best that you can in your uh, niche area. That's the way that I view it. Do you, do you agree with that or do you think there is still a value in looking at what else is out there? It's a really good question, actually. And I don't know if there's any right or wrong answer, but see, the danger is by looking at other people, you're taking your eyes off what you're doing, yeah. off your clients, your customers, and what your model is and what your expertise is. The famous Carl Jung quote, the person that looks outside sleeps and the person that looks within awakens. So it's about keeping your focus on where you're going and understanding your client, what their needs are. And it's like, well, why are you looking at other people's clients? It's just about finding what the problem is and then providing a solution. And it's a combination of looking at what was done before and either improving on that or finding a new way of getting it done. But everything is always going to evolve. And this is the irony, the oxymoron. You know what the only guarantee in life is? The only guarantee in life is change. So that's a bit of an oxymoron because change means that nothing's going to stay the same, but the only constant is change because things will f will forever change. So what worked yesterday may not necessarily work today. And what was true in the morning of our life may be false in the afternoon of our life. And what is false in the morning of our life may be true in the afternoon of our life. So I think it's, it's very important to keep your finger on the pulse to identify what people are doing, what's working, what their needs are, and um, just staying in touch with your clients, your customers, mm -hmm. and the people that you're serving. Because I always say to my business partners and my team, what challenges are you facing? Uh, what support do you need? And where is it you want to get to? How can I help you get there? That, that's all I need to know from them. I don't need to know about the stories and everything else. All I need to know is what, what the challenges and problems you're facing, 
what support do you need? Where do you want to get to? What is it that's missing? How can I help you? I ask the same questions. I ask what went well, um, what challenges and what support can we offer? It's the same sort of structure. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I ask my team members and, and that's why I ask it. Every time we meet, those are the questions that we go through. And I think they're very insightful because knowing what's gone well and then knowing what the challenge is, they help you piece together the steps that the person can take to actually then make another what went well in the future. Because there'll, there'll be things that consistently go well and you see the pattern of what what's going well. Was it like a process that they were following? Was it based on the praise that you were giving? You see the, and like the support, what they identify as a support that they need sometimes differs from what you think. But the one thing that I completely hated when I was employed was my line manager thinking he knew what kind of support I needed without even asking what I needed. So that's a question that I think is really powerful to give that empowerment to your team members to to tell you what they need. Yeah, because otherwise you're assuming and that's dangerous because you're not helping them with what they need. You're helping them with what you think they need. Yeah, for me, it felt completely awful. I felt like my line manager didn't understand me. He didn't know what I actually needed. He didn't think I had the ability to think myself. When someone tells you what you need, they're almost taking away your ability to think and to be able to understand yourself. You feel inferior to them. And I think part of building relationships is building that level of understanding with the other person. Yeah. And that's where I get really, really good results because the feedback I get from people is, uh, we love your energy. You've listened. We feel heard. We feel comfortable. And I'm just being me. And I think someone, uh, one of my mentors said to me as well, they said, never forget what it's like to be a new person. And that's very, very powerful because we will always remember what new team members face, what uh, new clients or new customers face, and we're helping them guide them on the journey because the reality is we can only teach, train and coach people do what we've done. We can take them somewhere we've been, but I can't teach, train or coach someone to do something I haven't done. I can't take them somewhere I haven't been before. So it's about walking the path. And this really ties into what Cool was talking about last time on leadership. Leadership is just carving a path, finding a way, and then you guiding other people through that path. And other people will have to take their own responsibility. But if we do things for them, then we're taking away their opportunity to learn and grow and to build resilience. And do I get things right all the time? No, not really. But I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with messing up because I will get there eventually. But most people, they need things to be right. They have to be right because if they're wrong, what happens is it destroys their sense of self. And their ego is very fragile and they can't handle it. Whereas with me, I just need to know, okay, where did I mess up? What did I do wrong? What can I do to improve this? And I also work with people that are more highly skilled, more highly competent, more academically gifted than me, sometimes more successful than me. But then they work with me because of my ability to connect with people. And that's my gift. My gift is that human touch to be able to be with someone, almost like a mediator or a negotiator, And I've got that level of empathy and I can understand where people are coming from. But I've realized, break it down, it's it's not rocket science. I just allow people to be heard and I allow them to speak their truth and people just need to be heard. They just don't want someone to listen to them and they want to voice their truth. And most people, they're not able to do that. And if you're working in an environment where there's certain questions that you can't ask or you can't 
speak your concerns, that's a red flag. And it's very constrictive straight away because people, they, they don't feel safe. Yeah. And you know what? It's also admitting when you've got it wrong. So I got it wrong this weekend. I've got a new member of staff and she was asking a lot of questions and I got frustrated. I was like, oh, you're meant to know this. Like, I've told you this before. But then the last couple of days, I've, I've realised that actually it's a lot of information to give to one person all in one go. It takes oh. a time to adjust. Um, and I was a bit harsh. And I've just had a meeting with her today. And we've gone through all the questions that she had. And it's made her feel a lot more comfortable. And she's like, thank you. I appreciate it. But it's also admitting that sometimes we're not in the best place to respond and we respond in ways that we shouldn't and it creates a division with the other person and being able to kind of go right i've got it wrong this time i'm sorry can we make amends what can i do to kind of support you on this um and and building that relationship with them and we're not always going to get it right we're human at the end of the day and we're not 100 correct all the time and i think people sometimes forget that the people that they're working with even when especially when they're looking up to the people I look up to my mentors and I have to also realize that they're not going to be always right. So if something goes wrong and I've taken their advice, um, I took that advice. I didn't have to take it. I've got some responsibility in that as well. Um, and yeah, it's just figuring out. I think it's been an interesting conversation. You've touched on so many different things. So if there's like a couple of takeaways um, that people can take from here, what would they be like? What three things could they focus on? to help them kind of understand their reality a bit better? Well, first of all, having awareness, because if we're not aware that something's wrong or we're not acknowledging it, we can't move forward. We have to be okay with where we are. It's okay being wrong and it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to speak to people. It's okay to accept that things aren't perfect. It's okay to not be okay, basically. That's really, really important. So that's the first step. Once you've got that and you've reached out for help, putting some basic practices into place. So first of all, getting clear on what is it that you want for the future. Uh, and people, everywhere you go, you talk about goal setting, clarity. People need to be clear on what it is that they want to achieve this month, next month, this year, because otherwise you're not going to be able to move forwards. And a lot of people get stuck because they don't know where they're going and they're just moving around like headless chickens. Well, one of my mentors said, it's if you don't have like a vision of a plan where you're heading, it's like throwing an arrow to a dartboard and not knowing where the dartboard is. You're just like chucking it up in the air. You need to have a focal point to be able to know where you're heading and where you're actually focused on throwing that arrow of course 100% so having that focus is clear it's like you get into the car and you put your postcode into the GPS and GPS will take you where you want it to go but if you put the GPS in and you follow the uh, GPS and it's not where you want it to go you can't get upset with the GPS can you you didn't put the coordinates in or you put the wrong coordinates so you have to be clear in what you want but in your life it's more important so be okay with where you are, get clarity on where it is that you want to get to. And then the key thing is, once you've understood that, you've got to be working with someone that knows how to guide you because you can either get to your destination by trial and error, which is very painful. I don't recommend it. 
listening to successful people, getting access to books or seminars. But if you're not working with them on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, then it's going to be very difficult. The most effective way is to work with someone like you or me, but to be in the same business or project or community setting, because then we can guide them. But I'm, unless I'm working with someone on a specific project, then I don't know how to guide them. How they function on a day-to-day basis. This and what it. I find with my team is I'm coaching them half the time in, in the way to do things and how to talk to people and how to... Uh, develop that relationship like I was telling one of my team members to uh, take time out to get to know each other because he's all kind of robotic kind of work 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 and I'm like well that's not helping you build a relationship with the rest of the team so you're not understanding their emotions when something's going wrong you want to just kind of come down harsh on them and that's not the way to to deal with it you need to get to know them so you treat them like another human so you end up coaching the people that you're working with and I think it's really important to have a mentor. Even people that are training other trainers have mentors and have coaches. Like I've got one and I know you've got one. Um, because I think you need that second person to take an objective step and go, yeah, what about this? Because that mistake I made over the weekend, I was speaking to my mentor about it and she was like, yeah, you need to remember she's new. And I was like, yeah. No, that's really, really important because you can't get there alone and you've got to be working with someone in that project. And that's why coaching, you can coach someone for three weeks, uh, six weeks, 12 weeks, six months uh, for a year. But what happens after that? If you're not working with them on a long-term project, how can you guide them? But if you're working in a business together, if you're husband and wife, or if you're in a community setting and you're doing something long-term, you're building long-term relationships. And see, the problem is, People are so focused on the here and now. I'll finish with this last story. There was a successful tycoon in the Far East, and he used to invest in businesses, startups that had a great idea, great project, but were lacking the funding or resources. Much like Dragon's Den, but in the Far East. So he went for a luncheon with his other peers who were also investors, and they realized everyone was coming to him. 80% of the people were coming to him. And they were like, well, why is everyone coming to you? And he said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, most of the people come to you. He said he didn't realize because he wasn't comparing himself. He said, yeah, they come to you. Why do you? Why do they come to you? He's like, I don't know. And at the end of the meal, he paid for everyone's meals, which was pretty expensive. And they said, that's not like you. He said, yeah, at the beginning, you asked me why everyone was coming to you. And they were like, yeah, you didn't realize. He said, yeah, I know now. And they said, well, why is everyone coming to you? He said, well, when you invest them, how much do you normally take as a percentage, as a fee? We normally take uh, between 20 to 25%. And he said, well, what if they can't afford that? He said, we'll lower the fee, but we'll take a bigger equity from the company. Well, that's why people come to me. And they said, how much do you charge? Between 5 to 10%. And I said, why do you charge so little? He said, I'd rather take 5 to 10% of a successful business than 20 to 25% of a failing business. And that's why most businesses fail because agreed, they don't think of the long term. Everyone's thinking now, now, now. And you look at what's happened with COVID, lockdown, everything else. I read one of your posts today. It's about having delayed gratification, about putting our hopes, our desires on the side and just doing what's necessary in this moment as a collective. 
And people can't do that anymore. They can't do it as an individual. They can't do it as a collective. And that's why I've got so many problems in the world. But it all comes from the leadership at the top. And from the top, if there's no clear, concise instructions on which direction to move in, the masses are going to be confused. And there's just a lack of direction. A bit of a downer because (laughs) it's about COVID. It's been a great discussion, James, as always. I always enjoy talking to you because you kind of open my mind to thinking differently. And I've realised today how similar we are. We're just working with different age brackets. I'm working with kids and you're working with adults. But it's the same sort of application of knowledge and experience that we're putting into play there. It's been brilliant as always. Thank you so much. And um, I think it's going to be useful for people listening in to find out to kind of just reflect on, on, on something that they don't often talk about. Because I know this is meant to be like an education business uh, podcast, but a lot of what you said applies not just in business, but life and any kind of relationship that you're building with any person. And I think sometimes we don't take that time out to look at our personal development and our own kind of unconscious kind of collective mind which we've developed over years so it's been brilliant thank you so much if people want to reach out to you how would they reach out uh they can connect with me on facebook james porritt can connect with me on linkedin as well james porritt that's the easiest way really i hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business Now, if you did, please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app. And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe. Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid. You've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.